Psalm 90. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn men back to dust, saying, Return to dust, O sons of men. For a thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. You sweep men away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning, though in the morning it springs up new. By evening it is dry and withered. We are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. The length of our days is 70 years, or 80, if we have the strength. Yet their span is but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. Who knows the power of your anger? For your wrath is as great as the fear that is due to you. Teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Relent, O Lord, how long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen trouble. May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. May the favor of the Lord our God rest upon us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. This is the word of the Lord. Well, as we begin our summer Sundays, I thought it would only be right to tell you that there are 146 days left until Christmas. If that seems a little bit too far away, if you're worried about what you're going to do between now and then, don't worry. The Premier League football season starts in 13 days. If you wondered if it ever stopped, I get that feeling too. Uh, But if that's too soon, England aren't going to win the World Cup for at least another 50 years. So we're all okay. But I remember, you know, looking at the, the summer holidays and just thinking of all the things that I could do in the time that was now open to me. But then... You get to the end of the summer holidays and you think, where did it go? What, what happened to all that time that I thought I had? And then, then the school term begins and, and that doesn't zoom past in my experience. But, but time just flies, we say. And it's easy to, to end up regretting how we've used our time 
The, the summer that we planned with seeing new places, maybe meeting old friends, ends up with us just sitting around the house, wondering what to do. Those, those projects that we planned just get consumed by countless Facebook updates. Maybe the wonderful retirement that we had imagined gets interrupted by illness or other things. And we can end up thinking, I wish, I wish I could go back and do that again. I wish I could have that time back, something lasting to show for it. Well, Psalm 90 is the only psalm that is written by Moses. And we can imagine him maybe at the end of his life praying this prayer. Perhaps before he gives his final address to the people of Israel. And he, and he looks out over the people. And he thinks back over all that has happened since God freed them from Egypt. And he thinks, how have we done? Have we used this time well? Will what God has done for us, will that last? Or will it disappear? See, he's got, seen God do amazing things, and yet he's also seen a whole generation of people who have died because they disobeyed God. He's heard them flip from grumbling against God to, to pleading for mercy back to grumbling again and just seen them go back and forth and back and forth. And then Moses himself, after years of leading the people, eventually just got so frustrated, he disobeyed God and would never enter the promised land. Was all that God had done just, just a waste? And so Moses prays Psalm 90. And he prays and asks God to take what life that they've had, the, the short and, and often for them wasted life that they have led, and says, please, make it last, make it purposeful, make us joyful. And even though these are words that are thousands of years old, that, that sounds to me like a prayer I could do with. Maybe you could do with it too. So let's look at Psalm 90 together. It's on page 599 if you want to have it open in your Bibles. And Moses begins his prayer, as we've heard already in our service, with a general truth. God is eternal and we are not. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born or you brought forth the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Now Moses was a man who knew mountains. He'd been up and down a few mountains in his life. And as he prays here, it's like he's thinking back to, to when those mountains were just little mountainlets. You know, back in the early days, maybe they started off as a little molehill. And then imagine them growing up and they become hills and then and then just looks at them and thinks, how long would it have taken for this massive, enduring mountain to get to this size? You know, from, from, from a tiny start to, to a huge mountain, he thinks. And then he thinks, that is nothing compared to God. Everything else that he, that he sees, everything that looks so, so solid and lasting and enduring, he says, everything I see has had a beginning, but God just is. He, he always is. There's, there's not a kind of he was. He, God is. And then as he, as he looks down from the mountain and then starts looking around at the people and, and himself, he's even more amazed. Because ever since people were cast out of the Garden of Eden, he says, 
God turns men back to dust, verse 3, saying, return to dust, O sons of men. So you've got God more solid and enduring than this mountain that Moses is standing on, and then us, humans, dust. And even, even people who lived before the flood, people whose lifespans were seven, eight, nine hundred years, they're just like a, a camera flash in God's eyes. Verse 4, a thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or, or like a watch of the night. You sweep men away in the sleep of death. They're like the new grass of the morning. Though in the morning it springs up new, by evening it is dry and withered. Those dreams that you, that you have that are so vivid to you at night, and then as soon as you wake up, you're, you're trying to, oh, I get little glimpses and then, and then it's just gone. You can't quite grab it. The grass that looks so good in the morning and then, as Simon has said, after a few days of summer, looks pretty sad. We don't last long. God is eternal and we are not. And that leads Moses on to reflect on a more specific problem. You see, our our limited time, our limited lives are not just a, a fact, not just one of those things, it's just being human. No, it's because of God's judgments back in Genesis on our sin. And for Moses here, it's not just that, well, back in Genesis 3, God pronounced the curse and that's kind of been the effect ever since. It's that he and the people that are with him are actively following in those disobedient footsteps of those first people. We are consumed by your anger, he says, and terrified by your indignation. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins, in the light of your presence. All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. You know, Moses had plenty to reflect on, didn't he? Those years of of grumbling and complaining. Not having food and water. Then having food and water, but not the kind that we would have liked. The fear of of entering the land. The fear of the people who were there. And and so they distrusted God and said, we're not going to go in. And that was just their public sins. Who knew the secret sins? Well, God did. And that was why they'd wandered around the desert for 40 years. A whole generation, a whole generation that could say, absolutely, truly, all our days have passed away under your wrath. You see, for for those people, their years didn't end with a triumphal entry into the promised land. They ended with a lingering death in the homeless heat of the wilderness. And then Moses thinks, well, what if we had made it? What if we had pushed our life to to 70, maybe 80 years? What was there to enjoy about it? Even 80 years, he says, is filled with trouble and sorrow. Those years quickly pass and we fly away. Now we may wonder, when are we ever going to finish school? When am I ever going to be done with exams? When am I ever going to get my own home? When am I ever, kids are going to get through college? When am I ever going to get to retirement? But then so often we look back and think, goodness, how did we get here so quickly? It flies away. 
And in, in such a short time, how do we ever get a chance to really understand who God truly is? Who knows the power of your anger, Moses asked, for your wrath is as great as the fear that is due to you. God's anger at Israel's disobedience was linked with their failure to worship him rightly. You see, he he gave them the Ten Commandments and they responded by building a golden calf. He provided manna from heaven for them day to day to day to day and they said, it's getting a bit boring. He, He led them right up to the borders of the land that he said, it's flowing with milk and honey and they said, but it's a little bit scary and we'd rather not. Over and over again, God has given them so many reasons to worship him, to know him truly. And they said, ah, no thanks. And so as Moses reflects from the general truth to the specific problem and and just begins, what, what future is there for us? What future is there for this people? He makes an urgent plea to God in verse 12. Teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. We don't have long, so please, God, tell us, teach us how to live well. But you see, on its own, that's not really enough, is it? What's the point of numbering our days if... All our days pass away under God's wrath. What's the point of of really doing anything if at the end of it we're all just swept up like yesterday's grass cuttings? So Moses doesn't stop there. That's not the end of his prayer. He carries on. Relent, O Lord. How long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. And you see, it's not just him that he's concerned about. It's not just the people immediately in front of him that he's concerned about. He's concerned that this is God's attitude to the people for all generations. He's concerned about the future. Verse 16, may your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. Moses wants God's unfailing love and compassion to be the normal experience for all of God's people, both now and in the future. And so he asked God for nothing less than a complete change in God's stance towards his people. The days which he says have have passed away under your wrath, the years which have ended in a moan, turn them round so that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many years as we have seen affliction. The morning which before was just a kind of false promise of life which just ended in withered grass at the end of it. No, turn it around so that we're satisfied in the morning with your unfailing love, so that that goes with us throughout the day, that we get to the end of the day not withered, but still renewed and fresh because of your love. The future that looked so bleak, he says, fill it with purpose. May our children see your goodness and love. And Moses, it's interesting, he doesn't give a reason. He doesn't say to God, look, we've repented now, we're really sorry, please change. He he doesn't say, I know we were grumbling yesterday, but look, we're not grumbling now, please 
Please be kind. Please show us your love. He doesn't say, yes, golden calf, not great, sorry, but we've destroyed it now, let's go. He doesn't say anything of that. He just says, God, please, show us your unfailing love. On the basis of of what he knows about God, what God has already told him in Exodus, that God is a God compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. And that is the only hope for these people because, as he said in verse 1, Lord, you have been our dwelling place. And and for these people, that was literally true. They'd been wandering around around in the wilderness. They, They didn't have anywhere to lay their heads. They didn't have a home. God had to be their dwelling place. He had to be their point of stability and hope and purpose because they didn't have anything or anyone else. And the prayer ends. What happened? Did God say, okay? There's, there's no answer here. We, we, we leave Moses just waiting. He's cast himself on God's mercy. Where's the answer? And we don't have to wait. Because... We have in Jesus Christ a man who, like Moses, has prayed for his people. In him, we have someone who knows exactly what it is to have nowhere to lay his head, and yet trusted God throughout that unstable life. In him, we have someone who can genuinely answer the question, who knows the power of your anger? And in Jesus, we have someone whose life just seems to finish with a moan. Just, just another withered leaf to be swept away with all the others. But in Jesus Christ, we hear God's response to this prayer. Because his life didn't end at that point. God raised him to life. And so in Christ, we see what God thinks of everyone who is now joined to Christ compassion and steadfast love, forgiveness and mercy, the promise of never being left or forsaken now or in the future, the promise of God being our dwelling place forever, of the dwelling place of God coming from heaven to earth forever. And yes, the curse is still at work. Yes, our lives are still short. Yes, we see our share of toil and trouble, but we know that because of Christ, our labor is not in vain. Our lives are worthwhile. Our lives are purposeful. The work that we do for Christ can last. I want to finish with a poem by C.T. Studd, who was an England cricketer and then gave all that up to be a missionary in China. Two little lines I heard one day, traveling along life's busy way, bringing conviction to my heart, and from my mind would not depart. Only one life, it will soon be past, only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one, soon its fleeting hours will be done. Then in that day, my Lord, to meet and stand before his judgment seat. Only one life will soon be past, 
Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, a few brief years, each with its burdens, hopes and fears, each with its days I must fulfill, living for self or in his will. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Give me, Father, a purpose deep. In joy or sorrow, thy word to keep. Faithful and true, whate'er the strife, pleasing thee in my daily life. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Oh, let my love with fervor burn, and from the world now let me turn, living for thee and thee alone, bringing thee pleasure on thy throne. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one. Now let me say, thy will be done. And when at last I'll hear the call, I know I'll say it was worth it all. Only one life, it will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Amen.